Hello and welcome to the Becker's Healthcare Health IT Plus Revenue Cycle Virtual Event. We are so excited to have you join us for today's session titled, How Will Big Tech and Wall Street Impact Healthcare? Big technology companies continue to move into the healthcare space, entering into strategic partnerships with health systems and investing in telehealth and digital health companies. Those companies have reported gains in many cases, but the overall market is a little bit more volatile. In our panel today, we will be discussing how big tech and Wall Street will affect healthcare going forward. I am Laura Deirda with Becker's Hospital Review, and I will be your moderator for today's panel. Before I introduce the panelists, I would like to go over just a few housekeeping items. We will have time at the end of today's panel for a short question and answer session. You can submit any questions you have throughout the presentation by typing them into the Q&A box that you see on your screen. If we don't answer your question during the event, we will be sure to follow up with you after the event. We look forward to hearing your questions. You will also find a few more engagement tools on your dashboard, so please be sure to check out the resources section and fill out our event survey. Finally, this session is being recorded and will be available on demand following today's event. We will send you instructions on how to access the on-demand recordings when this event concludes. Now it's my pleasure to introduce our panelists. We have Dr. Ashish Atreja, Chief Innovation Officer in the Department of Medicine at Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai and a board member of RX Health, and Pamela Gallagher, Interim CFO of Baptist Health Hardin in Kentucky. Before we begin, I would like to have our panelists introduce themselves. Um, Ashish, can we have, start with you and then we'll have Pamela introduce herself as well? Absolutely. Uh, this is Ashish um, and I'm a physician executive uh, at Mount Sinai, uh, leading digital health uh, center and innovation efforts for the last eight years. Um, and um, I think I've got a chance to work with uh, all the big tech uh, vendors and the amazing technology um, and really looking forward to talking about what health systems are doing and how they can meaningfully collaborate and look at this entire ecosystem, uh, which is really shaping up very nicely. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure and thank you so much for being here. Pamela, could you tell us a little bit about yourself as well? Sure, I'm finance and healthcare for about two decades now, um, mainly interim CFO work, things like that, a lot of transition. My background is a lot of technology, um, actually doctorate in technology entrepreneurship. And I'm so looking forward to get the medical perspective on healthcare and big tech, because I see the business side and I'm so looking forward to it, but you can't do it without the medical folks. So I'm, I'm so excited to be here and talk to you, Ashish. Same here, Pam. Great. Well, let's dive right in here. My first question is Amazon, Apple, Google, and Microsoft, all big tech companies, all jumping in healthcare in very big ways. Um, which do you think has the most potential to make the biggest impact on healthcare? Um, Ashish, let's start with you. Man, that's a very tough question. Um, if I answer that correctly, the stock market will go in the other direction. Uh, so I would probably answer it in some other way because impact depends on what aspect. Um, I, I can just bet you and anyone can, all four are going to make more and more impact. I would probably say exponential impact, but in their own unique ways, uh, right? So, so let's uh, take it and, and see. And then I love how the strategy is very different for all four players. And that's building on their core strategies, right? So Microsoft is basically a platform player, cloud platform player. That's their core strategy. So they're going to continue providing more and more stuff on Azure Cloud along with AI from Microsoft AI uh, to automate bots and those kind of engagement. That's their predominant strategy. 
uh, using more servers and using more of their platform to build applications on top of that in a HIPAA com cloud compliant manner. Google is predominantly about cloud and AI. So Google is focusing a lot on a couple of large uh, uh, arrangements with either life sciences or with one of the large health system players and really saying how they can create more and more AI algorithms on top of it. Uh, the other arm Verily is more on proprietary algorithms as well, uh, but mostly around data is where Google is. Um, Apple is till date not around data. Apple is mostly about devices. Uh, they don't want to get too big into data ownership. Uh, they want to make the data liberalized for patients and really their main strategies around their devices. How can make the Apple Watch the, the best health tech device that it becomes mandatory for everyone to use it from health to disease and other stuff. Um, and Amazon is very unique. First, it is big logistics player. So all the health IT to all the uh, logistics for all the wearable devices and other Amazon will have a play. But it also recently launched Amazon Halo. So it's trying to get into device market along with uh, Apple in that regard. Um, and uh, then it has, uh, it is trying to see what to do um, uh, with the self-assured employer space. Uh, and it also has uh, Microsoft-like cloud platform like AWS. So Amazon has probably the, one of the most comprehensive strategy in, in all regard. Uh, Apple is very device centric. Google is very AI and data ownership centric and Microsoft is building the platform centric and all of those we need in today's healthcare. Absolutely, that makes sense. And so they all kind of have the role to play, but it sounds like you, as you mentioned, Amazon has its tentacles, it seems like in the most areas, I suppose, if that is a fair thing to say. Got it. All right. And Pamela, from your perspective on the more business financial side, where do you think the um, big impact is going to come? What do you think is most interesting about these companies? I very well say this, and I couldn't agree with you more because I think each one of them have something to contribute. And I think we're going to need that in order to change the whole industry. Uh, Microsoft partners, they're partnering with Epic, things like that. Google, like you said, the only thing sometimes Google is noted as like being too pervasive like they have all your data, and I think that could, you know, and have inhibit them a little bit. Apple's to me seems very like um, they have a loyalty factor. You either are an Apple person or you're not an Apple person. So that's good for retaining customers, but getting new ones that might be a little difficult. But and Amazon though, Amazon is really testing the markets, doing it. They're starting with their own employees, so they have a captive audience to even foray into other um, avenues of healthcare. So while they're all necessary, my bet would still be on Amazon to be the most uh, proud, prevalent going forward. But very well said. I can't believe somebody else would even think along the lines. <laughs> that's pretty good. Thank you, Pam. Absolutely. So I think that's an interesting point you brought up in terms of Google, especially being felt like they're more pervasive and, um, you know, have a lot of data, not sure exactly what all is happening with that data, um, which leads me to my next question and looking at some of the potential risks or downsides of big tech and healthcare, um, leaving aside for a moment the partnerships with um, health systems and that kind of thing. Are there any other risks that you see for some of these big data companies coming into healthcare? Um, you know, a space that you both know well, but perhaps um, a tech executive might not. Um, what else do you see as being potential risks for having these big companies as part of the healthcare space? Um, Pamela, we'll start with you to see uh, what your thoughts are and then have Ashish talk as well on that. 
I think one of the things is that protection of data and making sure they know the rules and regulations and also the perception. Their healthcare has been always very protective of the data, um, things like that, HIPAA, all those. I think COVID is loosening that. I don't know how permanent that will be, but overall, um, I really want to hear the medical perspective, though. Like financially, I think they could get in a lot of, um, you know, trouble, if you will, if it's perceived as too pervasive, like the Google with the Nightingale and things. But from a medical perspective, that's why I like being on these panels. I can get information. How do you think there it's going to be perceived, like with all the non-healthcare folks getting involved? Yeah. In no, happy to answer that. I think. Um, you already alluded to a potential downside is uh, privacy um, and security, and I would add trust to it, right? Um, the reason for adding trust separate than privacy and security is this. Uh, cloud is many ways more secure. And if you do the orchestration the right way, I work a lot with the cloud with my team, uh, you can actually get very good privacy security kind of standards on top of it. But can you get trust that the data is not going to be used is completely different. And you mentioned uh, about some of the players. With that. So I think trust, privacy, and security is one concern. I would say there are other things that may shape up which are unanticipated, but we can already see. Uh, one is digital disparities, right? If we start a, uh, using digital engagement as a predominant method of delivery for healthcare, um, um, we start presuming tech is health, while tech is just an enabler for healthcare delivery, yes. right? So we have a lot of tendencies getting lost in the shiny object syndrome uh, and saying the body is gonna do this or this. And we may serve as health systems not value uh, so much what we do is so powerful um, and not only humanistic from, from that perspective and engaging, but value driven, uh, right? So, so I think, I have seen that in uh, trainees doing that, uh, where they are more on an automatic reset mode uh, of what the, I've ordered the labs, EMR is recommending me, and the thought process of the patient in front of us gets lost. So I think, and that is not a big tech problem per se, but that's a technology problem irrespective. So we consume it in a, in a rational way uh, and make sense of it. So I see that is a problem. The other thing is the same problem with digital disparities I am so, I'm seeing with access to best healthcare technology as well, because cloud is getting expensive. There's no doubt about it. And um, smaller hospitals, safety net hospitals, um, they are struggling. I mean, we had to do a lot of uh, rationalization during COVID and a lot of money had to be spent in grants. Uh, but if you take those grants away, you will certainly seeing not many hospitals may not be able to afford devices, digital monitoring, all those cloud-based structure. And that may create a dichotomy between richer health systems or for-profit health systems who may be able to do that and others who may not be able to create that digital divide, bridge that digital divide. So I think that's a potential downside as well, I see. That, that's fascinating to hear about. And especially as you were mentioning, making sure that all organizations would have access to the best technologies and how to make sure that um, you know, everybody will be able to benefit from them. And then when you're talking about the trust aspect as well, I know I've, I've seen surveys talking about Microsoft being a very trusted company as compared to some of the others, but, you know, I'm sure as time goes on and you um, continue to go, go down that path, you know, there's definitely increased risks involved. 
Um, so I, I'm thinking now in looking at big tech, many of them are also, you know, looking at um, retailers as well, getting them the technology of healthcare side, whether it's telehealth, digital health, some of the other um, on-site healthcare delivery as well from the retail side of things. I wanted to get both of your perspectives on Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, and others as well, building some of these clinics, um, as well as getting in telehealth. You know, do you feel like this is good or bad for health systems? Do you want me to take it? Yeah, absolutely. So Pam can probably talk about from a health system financial perspective and say all that. Let me try a different spin because I know she's going to uh, talk about that <laughs> aspect. Um, I would probably change your question. It's definitely, I feel good for healthcare. And maybe that should be our North Star. Whether it is good for health systems or bad for health spot. systems, it's just an organizational perspective, right? Spot on, spot on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Because I think even though we're both in health systems and we love our health systems dearly and want to vouch for it, we know health is different than health systems and maybe there are other entities which can deliver some aspects of healthcare better. And I think it's, uh, um, so, so we need to be open to that frame. So let's try to answer definitely from a healthcare perspective from a consumer center choice perspective, from a consumer access to care perspective, right? This definitely is a, is a good trend to have health clinics. Um, I think there's a part of the spectrum of healthcare, which we as health system may not have really conquered it as of now. We have conquered the, the disease, the most diseased patients, the sickest of all patients, hospitalized transplant cancer patients, uh, we're probably doing a good job with the procedures and subspecialties and surgeries and those kind of stuff. But probably we can do a better job um, in obesity prevention, diabetes prevention, diabetes management, wellness, behavioral health, right? Uh, those one end of the spectrum of wellness, have, we have never mastered that uh, because the primary care practice has been so busy in just seeing patients for uh, you know, preventive checks. We are able to do prevention, but not wellness necessarily. And I think these health clinics have a unique opportunity in extending that spectrum of wellness, which we probably have never got resources to do that in a very justifiable manner. So uh, there is an overlap between that wellness and what we do in preventive health in health system. I think there's gonna be some uh, potentially, I wouldn't say sabotage, some cannibalization, uh, some competition in that space. Uh, but I see this also could be a great way for innovative health systems to develop partnerships and try to get a referral, try to get, you know, um, um, make a continued stream with the community. Um, and, and overall, the community, overall, uh, the, the, the people win. Um, and it's a spectrum of care, which together in the ecosystem, we are all able to support in partnership. So I'll take a pause here and... Uh, and it over to Pamela from financial side. I think you saw my notes because I said the same thing. It's great for healthcare, but not good for health systems. Oh, you did. That's and, awesome. And, right? And if you look, that's so funny. I can't believe it. It's very good. See, great minds. But um, also like Walmart, they have it down with the rural things. If some of the rural centers, actually the Walmarts are nicer. You know what I mean? They, I think they might be able to deliver better practices. Um, some of the hospitals that are in such remote areas, there's Walmarts um, strategically placed, um, things like that. Some of the other um, retail things too. And I think there's a definite, definite, um, a great thing for healthcare. 
as they expand. I think it'll, and prevention is the key. Like you said, we'll still need hospitals for all those procedures, but as far as prevention and just access, I think it is a great thing for, for health care. And Pamela, what do you think of uh, the impact on the financial impact on the hospitals? The financial impact, oh yeah, because, okay, this is not gonna get me a lot of friends, but the critical access are cost reimbursed. So if you take a lot of those costs out, there's gonna be a lot less reimbursement. However, the costs will overall be lower. That, you know, there's overall, like you said, not good for that health particular hospital or health system, but definitely better for the overall consumer base. Absolutely. Do you see some of those critical access hospitals or some of the health systems adjusting to that in any way or still um, is it a, a, a situation where you're just kind of hoping that it doesn't make too big of an impact and uh, see how things go? I don't see a whole lot of adjustment. Um, we get, I'm, I don't, not, not now, even with the COVID, the things coming through, we're getting grants, we're keeping the hospitals. Um, but I don't see a whole lot of adjustment with that. I think we need to see more partnerships, lower the overall costs and things like that. But um, not every little critical access hospital needs to be doing what they're doing. I know people will have to travel to get those great services, but I think that's where you know, your, your high class hospitals will come into play. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you both for going through that and, and really looking at the big tech side of things. Now I want to shift the discussion just a bit to Wall Street and talk about that a little bit more. This has been a year of big ups and downs for many reasons, uh, looking at digital health, um, more downs in other industries than, than that. But um, how do you anticipate Wall Street will affect healthcare going forward? And Pamela, I would love to hear your thoughts first on this. I think it's going to open up the markets even more, and I'm going to see um, a lot of non-traditional healthcare investors will invest in the new technologies, and you might see some of those investments shift out of traditional healthcare, even if, you know, the for-profits that are in Wall Street. I think you're going to see some of that investment move out of the traditional hospital space into maybe some more of the, you know, Amazon's, Apple, Google, things like that. I think they're going to, I think you're going to see some shifts in investments. Absolutely. Ashish, do you have anything to add there? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think you're going to see some non-health with the IPOs, especially that have gone. Suddenly, um, many non-health focused VCs and PEs have got interested in healthcare. Um, right. So I think, um, so I think that trend will continue. But at the same time, I feel there's a little bubble um, uh, for what is happening right now uh, with the COVID and others. People are so health conscious that's affecting the psyche, I think, um, of uh, the investors as well. Um, uh, as COVID gets better, when it gets better, um, I do feel the growth is going to be there. There is definitely some real growth uh, and it has accelerated virtual care. And also I feel digital therapeutics and digital monitoring is going to be the biggest wave now. And we already started seeing the trend, right, uh, with uh, Teledoc acquiring Lavango. Because just synchronous care uh, doesn't take away physician time and effort. It's the same physician time and effort and same patient. Digital therapeutics and digital monitoring or digital care plans can actually create exponential value because then they're automated at any time. You don't require the same time and space, right? That's where exponential value is. That's where I feel the next biggest wave of IPOs to acquisitions and fees will come. Uh, and some of the bubble around virtual care may decrease, uh, but asynchronous care uh, I think it's continued to rise. 
That's interesting and it makes a lot of sense. What's your impression on some of the um, companies that are focused a lot on data or artificial intelligence and how that integrates what, into what their offerings are? Um, I know there's a lot of smaller companies and those that are building up. Which do you think will, for lack of a better word, win within the, um, within the on Wall Street, I guess, and which will be likely acquired by larger companies? Well, that's a tough prediction. And, you know, for sake of like conflict of interest in others, I can't disclose the names. Um, um, it's also tough to predict, um, but you see the trends. You can know which sector is going to win for sure, like digital therapeutics, digital monitoring, how it is going. Um, I think the virtual clinical trials and decentralized trial sector is going to grow enormously as well. Um, so I think you can definitely see the trend in those sectors. Um, I think um, there's also a lot of competition in the AI space. Um, it's not easy to have an AI company. You can find one or two use cases, uh, but AI is so much hungry for data uh, and the data orchestration is getting much more restricted. Um, so it's, um, it's, it's tougher. So it's very tough. If you're not a well-funded company going to a post-Series A or something, uh, some of the companies, many companies may not survive. Um, so I think those are the companies which no one remembers uh, and no one cares to look at. So we all get into this artificial dream of knowing only the companies which are successful. While it's still true, 90% of the companies are not successful and don't make it to that. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of them as well. Got it. Thank you so much for going through that. Um, and I have another question for Pamela now. When you're looking at um, Wall Street, how do you think the trends there will impact how health system investments and what are you doing to prepare for that? Or how can hospitals and health systems prepare for that? I think hospitals will invest their um, money into some of the <laughs> other technologies and things. I think they'll shore up their own. The health systems themselves will invest it outside um, and I think they'll see some positive results in that. So I think hopefully they'll take a more business view of it, not just be so, you know, healthcare centric. Um, I think they're, they're going to realize the values and even you know, those investments, I think, will increase outside their, their little world. I think they're going to be broadened significantly. Yeah, that's a very interesting take. And, uh, you know, many health systems and hospitals already have venture arms. Uh, and some don't have formal venture arms, but they have informally, they invest uh, many times. Definitely there are physicians groups, which invest a lot, clinicians go, um, and uh, I'm pretty sure CFO groups invest a lot too. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so I think there's definitely investment. And I think one way to ride the wave is actually get very strategic investors, which become your partners in transforming your health system, right? And that way you already have equity share in the company, you may have a board ownership in the company as well, and you can strategically align it and that can empower your health system, create value, in addition to the value from the increase in the valuation perspective from a pure fiscal perspective. Uh, I think we're gonna see much more trend in that direction um, in, in terms of, uh, and the other thing which I'm gonna see is new care models, new business models of collaborations. Uh, understanding, hey, I. I have one psychiatrist, but I can't offer behavioral health. Just having that understanding itself will allow hospitals and health systems to partner with behavioral health companies. Uh, nice. Right now, there's a lot of um, me approach. I can do every care, um, but no one is doing metrics on say, which you're providing efficiently, which you're not. And suddenly that efficiency effectiveness is gonna become much more transparent, much more um, um, universal to see for everyone. And uh, the, as we say, proof will be in the pudding and people will actually have a harsher look within their ecosystems to say, hey, 
we are never designed to do that. And uh, maybe we should invest in a company rather than, you know, just saying that we are doing it right. That's really absolutely correct. And I think as we drive through the retail and more consumerism, and I think the focus on quality and what you do best will actually drive the market. So right on. Yeah, that, that's been such an interesting perspective from both of you thinking about how the strategies and hospital health system investment strategies have changed over the past, you know, a couple years, especially in the past few months, and then what to look for in the future. Now, I, I'm not sure if this is a, you know, will make a difference, but we have an election coming up, you know, fairly shortly within a month or little more than a month. So how do you anticipate that might affect Wall Street and, you know, the types of investments that you want to make? Would it make an impact? Or do you think that regardless of how things go in November, um, your strategy will be pretty similar? You're looking at me? Okay. <laughs> I never thought I was a Wall Street guy, but let's suppose as one. So you can then critique me. Um, I'm just amazed how high the Wall Street is. I mean, it's just, I just, I know Wall Street basically looks at the future and it's not a current landscape. Everything that we are seeing what COVID is doing to the economy, 33% GDP down in US, right? 20% down of most of the other countries. Um, I mean, and it's just no easy way out. I mean, even with, with vaccine, when it comes, it's going to be a lengthy period, right? So the Wall Street is just out through the roof and I can't see high. I do think um, with the election, no matter what the result is, there's going to be some bubble that's going to break and it's going to come down. I just, I just can't believe it's going to last. I, I wish it's going to last like this forever. Uh, but I, I think that my rational part uh, is going to tell me it's, it's only a matter of time. It's going to come down. Um, now, when it comes down, I think some of the, also with COVID getting better eventually at some stage, we do believe some of the, the excitement uh, around digital health will continue, uh, probably not as big as uh, now, right now. This is the hardest time for digital health. Um, and what will continue will be true trend. In fact, digital monitoring, digital surveillance will continue at a, at a slightly slower pace than what is right now, but faster than what was the pace before, before COVID started. Yeah, to healthcare, I think the pricing transparency rule, if that stays or not, depending on the election, I think that might have some impact on some of the specific um, markets because if it stays and it drives consumerism, the Walmarts and those CVS and Walgreens will have a stronger um, position because they're gonna, I think they're gonna drive more healthcare um, to their, their own markets. Um, I think that might have an impact depending on what the outcome of the election is. If those rules change, the rules and regulations like around insurances, I think that's going to impact the markets too. I just don't have any idea how yet. <laughs> Absolutely. So preparing for something, um, but not sure what. <laughs> um, interesting. Thank you so much for looking into your crystal ball just a little bit for us today. Um, now, before we wrap up this panel, and this has been a great discussion, um, I have one more question for both our panelists. And Pamela, we'll start with you. One year from day, how, today, how do you think that health IT and technology will be different, and what do you think will be the same? 
I think it'll just be more prevalent. We'll have more, I think the telehealth is here to stay, maybe not exactly as high as it is right now during COVID, but it's, but it's here, we've taken advantage of it. And I just like the cell phone, can't imagine a time when you didn't have it. And I think it's gonna just kind of, and, and, you know, come into our lives like that and we'll have more and more and more. So a year from now, we might not notice as it happens, but if we look back, I think we're going to see an increase in all kinds of, you know, telehealth and like you said, the AI, what, what's the um, outcomes from those and things like that. I think we're going to look back and see it. We're not going to see it as it happens. Yeah, and, and I totally agree. I think uh, what we are anticipating, uh, I'm part of a chief innovation officers group uh, across health systems. Um, and also part of uh, Node Health Network, uh, the network of digital evidence, uh, which is the professional society for digital medicine. Um, and we, we feel from 60, 70% virtual care high, we probably will land up to 10 to 30% based on where you are and which specialty you are, personally virtual care. So some of that is gonna persist. Um, and we hope some of the ease of the regulations um, and uh, uh, cross state licensing uh, persist to some degree. Uh, I, I think, uh, Home monitoring, hospital to home is gonna become big. Um, I think that trend is gonna continue uh, and the hospitals who are downsizing are probably doing the right reasons for that. Um, I think there's gonna be new class of digital monitoring exports that are gonna come, which are just looking at data and guiding the patients with digital nudges and others. So there are certain aspects of technologies um, um, which are gonna continuous engagement, continuous always on engagement 24 seven, 365 or access to care also 24 seven, 365. Um, is gonna get much and more, more and more become available. Um, and payers are gonna compensate that because they realize if you get a virtual care at home, that's gonna prevent potentially a surgery down the line or abscess drainage or something of that nature. So it's actually worth spend. Um, so, so I think that trend is definitely gonna grow. The, the challenge which health systems have, which is in other ways, logistical challenges, uh, their facility challenges, uh, appointment making challenges, uh, hopefully some of them will go to self-service model with digital front door. Um, and it's gonna be, um, you know, probably two, three years way uh, from leaders of the health systems to uh, laggards of the health system to our hospitals to eventually do that. But a uh, lot of that is gonna become through uh, digital front door and kind of become self-service eventually. Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> One day. Well, thank you both so much for being here. It's been a pleasure to speak with you, Ashish and Pamela. Um, I really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to continuing the discussion in the future. Thank, thank you so thank much. You. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Okay.